He created the earth in seven days. No, make that six. He took a day off. Scholars valued his wisdom at age 12. His legend precedes him the way lightning precedes thunder. He has more followers than Twitter has accounts. He likes to take long walks on water. He is the most fascinating guy on the planet. Hey, Mountain. Happy Easter. As we say, he is risen. You say, he's risen indeed. Absolutely. I'm really, uh, it's great to be together. I love this day. I love this weekend. You could not drag me uh, away from here. Unless, of course, you work for United Airlines, then you probably could. But <laughs> right. just saying, you knew it was going to come in. Let's get it out of the way right off the bat. All right. Hey, we actually are very excited because you saw a bunch of cool things are happening. Um, May 7, we're relaunching the Bel Air campus at the Arena Club. It's going to be great. Just want to encourage you, if you live up that way or you just want to be part of something that's kind of new and exciting or maybe you haven't served anywhere, that they need a lot of new service areas. So jump on in and be part of that. And then I want to throw a teaser out as well. The week after that is Mother's Day weekend, May 13 and 14. We're going to be unveiling the location and the timing of the next brand new campus that Mountain intends to launch later this year. Um, we're trying to unleash love everywhere, here, there, and everywhere. And uh, one of the ways we do that is by launching this new campus. And we're excited about that. So come back on the 13th, 14th for that. Next week, Albert Tate, and then uh, some good stuff. Today, right now, we just got to spend some time talking about the most fascinating guy to ever walk the planet. I love the, the beer commercial guy. I love his beard. I love the mystique. And I love the sayings. Don't you love the sayings they say about him, the funny things? Do you like, would you like to hear a couple? Okay, okay great. For the 4% that are fascinated, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go with it. Uh, he once went on American Idol and won using sign language. <laughs> he is the most fascinating guy on the planet. He built a snowman in 42 seconds using rain. It's pretty impressive, right? He once went up Niagara Falls in a barrel. <laughs> he narrates Morgan Freeman's life. He is the most fascinating guy on the planet. Now, of course, we're not talking about, Jesus, uh, about that guy. We're talking about Jesus, who truly is the most fascinating figure ever. And you talk about a guy who does things that no one else can do, right? We're here on Easter to talk about Jesus. He, he, died, he once died, and they super glued him in a tomb, and he still rose and got out. And that's what we're here to celebrate, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that changes, not just history, but it can change today for you and me. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, he handed hope to the world. And I hope that you receive a fresh dose of hope today. I'm, I want to talk to some people that feel like they could use a fresh dose of hope. I want to talk to some people that, that know that hope's really important and sometimes we just need a little more of it. Because heaven knows, good grief, we can use some hope. I mean, you look around at the world, just look at the news. I mean, a dictator in North Korea rolling out these huge bombs trying to scare everybody. Like chemical weapons killing kids in Syria, Tomahawk missiles dropping in Afghanistan, terrorists threatening tensions, rising a nation divided, school shooting, all with, that's all just within the last 10 days. 
So uh, we don't need to just look out there, though, for a need for hope. We can look in here, too, can we? Every one of us, because life can be really hard. Some of us are going through stuff. All of us are going through stuff. We can become discouraged, and there are doubts that can rise up, and you feel cynicism kind of growing in your spirit sometimes. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe it's your health that's failing. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe, maybe it's the past that haunts you or the future that freaks you out or the moment that you're in right now, you just feel sort of stuck. Whatever it is, we can feel like life is just drained out of us. Where do you turn for hope? Where, where do you go for a fresh outpouring of that when your dream is dead? I love this quote about hope. It says this, Hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. You can hear the music of the future. Faith is when you just have the courage to dance to it today. When everybody else is all upset and they're like, oh, it's terrible. All they hear is a funeral dirge and life is terrible and circumstances really, really stink. You're like, no, shh, listen, because I can still hear my God who's playing a song of hope. And if you don't mind, excuse me, I'm going to keep dancing by faith today. That's what hope will give you. When everyone else is throwing their hands up in despair, you're throwing your hands up in the air because you can hear the music of hope and you want to dance. We need that. We need more of it. And I want to let Jesus give you some of that today on Easter. So we go to Jesus, and there's a place in John chapter 12, one of the biographies of Jesus' life. And these Greek guys come up, and they're like um, hoping to get an appointment with Jesus. So they go to uh, some of his uh, disciples, and they say, hey, can you get us in to see Jesus? And you kind of expect Jesus is going to say yes, because he's a good guy like that. He sees a lot of people. I mean, he, in, in the Gospel of John, he, he stops and talks to children. He sees the woman at the well. There's a blind guy. He talks to him. And these Greek guys, they're Greeks after all. I mean, they've got to be smart, brilliant, nice guys, and you, you think he's going to, they're Greeks. So you think he's going he's gonna to let them in, you know. But, but it's interesting. Jesus, he is now resolute. He has turned his face like flint toward Jerusalem because he knows the time has come for him to do what he was sent to do. He's got bigger fish to fry than talking to Greeks. He doesn't even respond to their question. In fact, here's what he says. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Son of Man is his favorite way of referring to himself. And over and over again in John, Jesus would say, the time has not yet come. My hour is not yet come. It's not time. It's not time. It's not time. And yet now he says, time's up. It's here. My hour has come. And glorified is his shorthand way of talking about how he will rise up. He will die a sacrificial death and be raised up in glory. Glorious flower. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many new seeds, a plentiful harvest of new lives. In the same way, Jesus says, Anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys it. But if you let it go, 
surrendering this life in love, you'll have real life for all eternity. And then verse 27, then Jesus says these words, Now my heart is deeply troubled. He knows what's coming. What am I going to pray? Father, get me out of this? Save me from this hour? No, this is the very reason I came in the first place. I will instead say, Father, put your glory on display. Father, make something beautiful. Bring a glorious flower out of this terrible situation I'm about to face. All right, what's he talking about? What is all this about? What does it have to do with you and me and Easter and grasping some hope? Well, at a basic level, Jesus is talking about seeds. Look at verse 24 again. Unless a seed is planted in the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it does get planted and buried and dies, like all seeds do, that's how it will produce much grain. You should have been given a packet of seeds on the way in. Go ahead and grab those and grab, grab one of those. Little, it's a sunflower seed. If you don't have one, steal one from the person next to you. they got a whole bag full. <laughs> and take a look at that seed. At a basic level, Jesus is talking about seeds, isn't he? He's borrowing from the field of, of uh, horticulture, agriculture, botany, biology, gardening, farming. This is, this, is what he's, this is what he's talking about. By the way, do you know how to tell if someone's a really, really good farmer? Well, you just look at them, and if they're outstanding in their field, it might be. If you don't like that joke, it'll grow on you, don't worry. I'll just keep plowing ahead here. That's right. I shouldn't combine so many farm jokes. All right, here we go. Where was I? I'm talking about seeds. Take a look at that seed, and here's what, he's, here's what he's saying. It's a nice little thing, that seed on its own, and if you choose to cling to that seed and just hold on to it, okay, great, but that's all you got is one seed. It's as good as it gets right there. But if you, if you instead would surrender that seed to the soil, well, then something just might happen. Now, you've got to surrender the seed to the soil, and then you've got to wait on it a little bit. But that's when something might happen, Jesus says. You wait in faith. Seeds are these complex little, little things that have all these uh, phosphorus and vitamins and nutrients and, and uh, uh, all, all kind of stuff in there to germinate. Zinc and sodium and potassium, all packed into one of these tiny little seeds. But when you put it in the ground and cover it over it looks for all the world like there ain't nothing happening doesn't it it is a dead grave bunch of dirt and you don't know silence waiting watching but here's the thing in ways that i can't fully explain to you god or biology or something's at work in ways we can't see beneath the surface and that little seed begins to germinate beneath the soil. You can even see it you know, like that. You know, just stuff happening there. And then eventually it pops up and you can see a little sprig like this comes up next, right? And there, there it is. And before long, before you know it, all of a sudden you got, bam! You got, you got a beautiful flower. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about seeds and it's breathtaking and it's glorious 
First, you got to surrender the seed. Everybody say, surrender the seed. Surrender the seed. Then you got to wait in faith. Say that. Wait in faith. That's when you get to harvest in hope. Harvest in hope. Surrender the seed. Wait in faith. Harvest in hope. Now, I think we can realize right off the bat that Jesus isn't just talking about seeds, is he? He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. And he's talking about how he himself will, in a few days, surrender the seed of his own life and be buried and die. He will give it up, surrender it, and it'll look for all the world like it's over, like there's nothing happening. He's talking about death and burial before resurrection. And that's why Jesus would pray in Gethsemane, Father, if there's another way to do this, if there's a way to get out of this where I don't have to go to the cross, let's, let's do it. Yet not my will, but what? Thine be done. He surrendered the seed. And he wants to make sure we understand that nobody snatched it out of his hand. No, no, no. John 10, 18, he makes it clear. No one can take my life. I give it. I'm sacrificing it voluntarily to lay down my life as a ransom for many so there can be a greater glorious flower come out of it. And so the surrendering of Jesus was painful. There was a lot of stuff that went into that. The, the, the kangaroo courts, the mock trials, the spitting, the crown of thorns, the mockery and all that stuff. And then eventually they nail him to a cross. And on the cross, there was a moment where he said, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. He surrendered the seed. See? He turned it over to the Lord and they buried him. And it looked for all the world like that was the end. They stared at that grave, and there was nothing happening. And they thought, it's over. But God was up to something. And I can't explain to you what happens underneath the soil when a seed germinates, let alone explain to you what happened in that, empty, in that tomb that soon was empty. Because we know the story. We know what happened. And, and Jesus sprouted to life and burst out of that tomb three days later, more alive than he'd ever been. And that's what Acts 13 is trying to say. They took him down from the cross and they buried him. But then God raised him from death. And there's no disputing that. It's what John Ortberg calls a three-day story. It's a drama in three acts that plays out. And it's not just a story. It's the way reality is now that Jesus has given us hope. Life itself is a three-day story. Day one, death, burial. They put him in the ground, buried the seed. Day two, Saturday, nothing. Silence. You just wait. And you wonder. And you worry. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. Some of you are in a Saturday right now, aren't you? you? You're just waiting to see. You know, you look at it and you can't tell. You just look at anything yet? Anything yet? Nothing? And you're just wondering if God's up to something. You don't always know when you're in a story, whether it's day one or two, and whether the story's just going to stay a day or one or two story. Except that we know that Jesus says when you put a seed in the ground and you wait in faith, God will bring 
the harvest. And it's that way in Jesus' life. They put him in the ground, and three days later he came out. And that's why you know when you're in Saturday, you just hold on. Because it may be Friday, it may be Saturday, but hold on because Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. So you see how the resurrection isn't just a historical event. It's meant to be a present personal experience. Jesus didn't just perform a resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. Everything he touches turns to life, including you and me, and that's why we hope he touches us today. And, and the God magic that somehow makes a seed germinate and come to life, and the same God magic that somehow made Jesus come out of the grave is the same God magic that we're meant to have in our life. And you see, Jesus isn't just talking about seeds. Jesus isn't just talking about himself. He's talking about you. He's talking about me and what can happen in our life when hope is released in our lives. He's talking about us. And the first thing that this means for us, this hope, is that we have hope beyond the grave. That's the first thing that Easter hope means for us, is that we can have hope beyond the grave. Because you see, before Jesus, everyone walks down the same hall of life. And guess what? You get to the end, and there's a dead end. There's nothing. You get to the end, it's like no exit. There you go. Except that Jesus got to the end of life and where there was a dead end, he just kicked a big old hole in the wall and he went right on through. And where there was a dead end, now there's a doorway, a portal into a whole other life of eternity. And then he turns around and he says, you coming with? Like some scene out of a Harrison Ford Raiders of the Lost Ark movie where he's like, come on. And you get to decide, are you going to put your hand in Jesus' hand or hold on to the life you have? Jesus says, if you hold on to the one life you got, you better love it because that's all you got. But if you let it go and surrender that and hold on to me, I'll take you through to the other side you can't get eternal life any other way except through Jesus that's hope beyond the grave he he doesn't fear death death fears him he's the most fascinating guy on the planet when he went through he made a way for others to follow that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits. He's the first one up, a sunflower. But if you follow him in faith, he's just the first fruits. There's a whole great harvest. He didn't just save himself. He saved me. He saved you, which means that heaven's going to be filled with a whole field of sunflowers, all of us aiming toward the sun. Is a great harvest. And that's a beautiful promise. You can have hope beyond the grave. And you can't get it any other way. Maybe you saw in the newspaper the picture of these guys. Eight of them. Arkansas, death row. Don Davis, Stacy Johnson, Liddell Lee, Jack Jones, Marcel Williams, Jason McGehee, Bruce Ward and Kenneth Williams. Names on public record, scheduled to die. This week, all of them by the end of April, by lethal injection, they went to court, they were judged guilty, their sentencing says they're going to die, and I don't mean to be overly graphic, but they're going to be escorted into a room like this and splayed out in cruciform fashion, strapped onto a table, 
where they'll be lethally injected. And at the last minute yesterday, a judge stepped in and said, no, wait. And suddenly the guys are like, oh, we got a new lease on life. They're going to look into some things, and there's some due diligence and other things with the law they're going to look at. And I got to thinking, you know, those guys that were about ready to die and then had the judge say, no, wait, that's so similar to what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says that all, all, that's you, I guess, and me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have the sentence on us. The wages of sin is death the Bible says, for all of us. So it's like your name's in the paper, like it's your picture, your mugshot right there. You're scheduled for lethal injection, strap you to the table, and at the last minute, the judge says no, and Jesus steps up and straps himself to the means of execution, just like this, and says, I'll do it instead. So why would he do that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? So that anyone who believes in him, takes his hand and follows him through, will never have to die, but live forever. You can have hope beyond the grave, and that's what Jesus gives us at Easter. You can't get it any other way, friends. It means that when Jesus rose from the dead, his resurrection shouted to the universe that this life of mine that you saw on earth was not all there is. There's more to me, there's more to life, and it means there's more to your life. And you can hold on to the life you have right now and make it the best you can, earn a bunch of money and try to, you know, get some liposuction and make it the best you can. But if you do, that's all you get. But there's another, there's, another, there's another life on the other side of the end of the hall. And Jesus has gone on through like a boss. And those who trust him and let go of this life will have eternal life. And that's what hope is about. And that means that when I get sick and die and I'm not feeling so good today, maybe it'll be tonight. I don't know. Don't worry about me. They're going to put me in the ground. There goes old Ben. Nice knowing you. Don't worry about me. They just planted a seed, and I'll rise again just like he did. And you can have that hope too. You can have that hope too. Through Jesus Christ, hope beyond the grave. Now, here's what I hope you get out of this. is not just that I hope you get that Jesus is doing more than talking about seeds. And I hope you get that he's doing more than talking about himself, although he is. But he's also doing more than talking about hope beyond the grave. Jesus is talking about hope that, that we can have now, here in the present experience of our lives. I don't want a faith that says, oh great, maybe uh, someday I'll get to go to heaven, but the, God can't do anything about my problem right now. I don't want that kind of faith, and neither do you. When Jesus walked out of the grave, he handed you the opportunity for hope that is present and powerful now and can help us handle the worst that life can bring. That's amazing, and that's powerful. And what that means is that there's, there is such a thing as hope because of Jesus so that no situation is so dark, no circumstance is too bleak, no life is too far gone, no soul is too lost, no sin is too deep, no conscience is too messed up, no problem is too large, no circumstance is so hopeless that Jesus can't come and at the very place where there was nothing but a grave of death, plant hope and resurrection and glory. Because it's a three-day story. That's hope, not just beyond the grave, that's hope on 
this side of the grave. You plant the seed, you wait in hope, and then you get the glory. And it's true not just after you die, but now. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. If you're in Christ, now you, you give your life to Christ. You, you let go. You, there's a new creation. The old, it says, is gone. And the new has come. The old is gone. Friends, there's something old in you that needs to go. So the new can come. There's something in you that needs to die. So God can bring glory out of that place and that space in your life. And you say, well, how, how does that happen? How can I get that kind of hope? The same, I can't explain it to you fully, but it's the same way a seed goes in the ground and grows. I can't explain it to you fully, but it's the same way that Jesus goes into a tomb and rises again. And it starts by the surrendering of the seed. Friends, there's no resurrection without death. There's no glory without a story. You can't get to the flower without planting the seed. And so it begins with planting the seed. And I just wonder what are some of the seeds maybe in your life that need to be given to God? What's an area that you need to trust into his hands and say, here, God, you take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Maybe it's an area of your life that you know needs to be put to death. A lesser part of yourself that needs to be surrendered so the greater, better, fuller version of you God could raise up. What's the seed that you need to surrender? An area where you know you need God's hope come alive and to grow something in you. Hold some of those seeds in your hand and think about that question. What are the seeds that need to be laid down before the Lord? You've got to surrender the seed if you want God to do what only God can do. What's the seed you need to let go of? Turn it over to the Lord. I bet for some of us, you know, there's a seed of worry that needs to be surrendered. An anxious spirit. You're up at night. You're thinking and you're trying to solve. You're going to fix the whole world. You're only worried about it and it's not coming together. And so you're trying to control everything. And some of us just need to say, you know, God, I'm going to take that seed of worry. I'm going to cast my cares on you. And, and, and I'm going to let not my heart be troubled. I'm going to put my trust in you. And I'm going to wait in faith that you will, in fact, do something with it. And I don't know, my friend, if he will take away all the circumstances that are causing you to worry, but I know this, he can make you well in your soul and plant a, a, a peace lily in its place and give you a peace that passes understanding whether you still have problems or not. You see how it works? You got to start with surrendering the seed. What's your seed that you need to surrender? For some of us, I bet it's an addiction. Honestly, I bet it's an addiction. Everyone around you might already know about it and you're just not admitting it, or maybe nobody knows. It's a big secret, but it's dominating your life. It's stealing your time and energy and money and attention and dominating and demanding things of you. And if you hold on and cling to that, like, because you think it's so awesome and giving, it's already given you the best it's going to give you. It's only going to go downhill from here. You know it. But this church is filled with people who have surrendered their addiction. And even out of that terrible, rocky soil, God has brought stories of hope and life. And just like Jesus said, maybe it's your time has come for some glory, but you've got 
You got to write the story by planting the seed. What's your seed that you need to plant? Surrender to the Lord. For some of us, you know, I bet it's like an inferiority complex. Like, you know, you, you hear things about how God loves you, and you're a child of God, and you're beautiful, and you're not a nobody, and there's a plan and a purpose and a place for you. But in your head, you still hear all just the voices about how stupid and dumb and ugly you are, and you can't, you fight those battles all the time, and you just need to say this Easter, you know what, God, I just want to, I want to plant those lies and let you raise up some new version of my self-understanding so I can live fully to full flower. For some of us, we probably need to plant the seed of fear because we're just worried and just cast your fears onto the Lord. For some of us, maybe it's our selfie-centered life and our shallow materialism and just the way we are thinking the whole life is about just worldly competitiveness. And for some, it's our comfort. Like, if you never get out of your comfort zone, you'll never get into the realm of waiting in faith. You'll never experience the life God's meant for you. You can just sacrifice, just put that seed of your comfort. Will you just let it go a little bit and see what God might do in that space of risk and faith? Maybe it's unforgiveness, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. That bitter spirit, that angry, vengeful heart needs to get there. Maybe it's your health. Surrender it. Can, can I give you a little insight on some of this? Something I've learned is that sometimes the thing that you need to surrender, the very seed that needs to be given over, is something that is already dead. Think about that part of your life where you feel like you're already dead or dying inside. Where you feel like it's probably too late because it's already dead. You know, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, right? And so his sisters, when they saw Lazarus getting really sick, they called Jesus and said, hey, you better get over here. We need you to cure him and heal him. And Jesus is like, I'm on my way. I'll do the best I can. He gets there, and Lazarus has been dead four days already. He's already, like, stinking in the grave. And when Jesus shows up, they're like, oh, great, Jesus. Thanks a lot. You're late. He's already dead. And Jesus is like, so... He goes over to the grave and he says, Hey, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. And some of us have Lazarus seeds and we're like, Oh, shoot, it's already too late. If I would have thought to ask Jesus before, but now this divorce has already happened. Now this trauma has already happened. Now my spirit is already broken. Maybe it was a series of miscarriages or in vitro that just something died inside of you. Maybe a dream is dead and you're like, you know, whatever it is, that part of you that's already dead, that disorder, those suicidal thoughts, that, that trauma, that embarrassing part of your past, whatever it is, just Jesus is waiting for you just to say, well, you just let me have it. I do resurrection. I know how to make living things out of dead things. But you've got to surrender the seed. To the one who makes all things new. And it starts with the seed that's surrendered. So we can spring up a new life. Surrender the seed. And then, and then you know what? We wait in faith. We wait in faith. Waiting is hard. Anybody like waiting? I mean, really, you love it? No. You like waiting rooms? Ch ch check this out. There's some people in a waiting room. I bet we can all identify with this. This is what waiting can feel like.
Ja, met mij. Vertel. Ja. We could relate to that. Waiting's no fun. It makes us edgy. <laughs> makes us nasty. And some of us are waiting now. You know, you're in a Saturday. You already prayed the prayer and nothing happened. You already planted a seed and there's nothing. And you feel like you can hear the devil laughing. <laughs> Waiting's hard. No, sound, no sign of life. Here's what I want you to remember. You wait in faith because you trust. You can faintly hear the music of the future. So even while you're waiting, you're dancing. And you trust that God is at work in ways you cannot see beneath the surface because you know it's a three-day story because of what Jesus did. And so don't you give up and don't you quit and don't you stop obeying and don't you stop trusting and don't you stop following and don't you stop believing and clinging to the Lord of life who sprung from the grave. Don't you forget because that seed is right on time. It may not look like it to you, but it's right on time. And the same Jesus, just as surely as he walked out of that grave, he can plant something beautiful right there in that spot where you had nothing but death, where you waited on God in faith to do what only God can do. You surrender the seed, and you wait in faith, and then you do, as Isaiah 43 says, you forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Do you have the hope? Can you hear the music? Can you see it? Surrender the seed, wait in faith, people, and you will harvest in hope. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you and bless you this Easter day for the resurrection of Jesus and how it's not just historical, it's, it's an experience in the moment for us. And we pray that you'll help us to live out of that, to know no failure is final, no grave can hold him or us. And help us, Lord, to surrender to you and to wait on you and to hope in you. In the name of Jesus, as we await with all creation the bursting forth of new life through the power of Jesus, we pray. Amen.